0: If you have Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and I think we'll back up a couple of verses and read verses uh, 18 through 20 of chapter 2. Uh, my heart's been stirred this week. Uh, think about the Broyles family going to uh, uh, their mission field and young couple, I mean, just so young, and uh, he was raised on the mission field of Brazil. He's a son of a missionary, and he could have easily went back because he already got, he's already got the language. And he married a Brazilian girl. And boy, she could speak English better than I could. It was amazing. And uh, sing, and boy, it was great. That was on Tuesday night. But I thought about it had been so easy for them to stay in Brazil. She's born in Brazil, raised in Brazil, saved in Brazil. He was a missionary's son all these years in Brazil. But God's called him. And God's called him to go to the Balkans and uh, thank the Lord for that. And you know what, we ought, to, uh, we, ought to, we ought to back them up in prayer, and we ought to uh, pray for their two little girls uh, as they're going to go. So it's just, uh, it's just not just some little cards you're putting in the plate. It's not just some missions revival. I'm telling you, friend, it is a blessing to know that we can send the gospel to the Guatemala and, and Brazil and then over to the Balkans, wherever in the world that is, And uh, thank the Lord that our church reaches beyond these little old walls. I wouldn't go to a church that didn't have missions. I just wouldn't do it. Because I don't believe that it's scriptural to sit here for yourself. I don't believe it's scriptural to sit in a pew for entertainment. I don't believe it's scriptural just to give so we can have a bigger gym to play in. I believe it's scriptural to send the gospel to a lost and dying world. But it's got to be done by faith. If we figured it, oh man, uh, we wouldn't have enough money. But I want to tell you something, a lot of people will go Friday night and pay $1,000 to stand for three hours in standing room only to watch the Braves play the Astros if there's still a game going on this Friday. $1,000 to stand for three hours to watch a ball team. Now folks, I'm going to tell you something. If we can do that, which I'm not, I don't, don't don't think I'm being, being that crowd standing for a, for a, uh, four hours. I might watch it for four hours, but I ain't going to stand for four hours, amen? But folks, that is a matter of priorities. What's more important, winning a ball game or seeing souls won, amen? Look at verse 18 of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. And when I get excited and stirred up, sometimes I lose track of time, so y'all in big trouble this morning. The Bible says, and I'll try to be brief, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. You know, we're in a warfare, and Satan will do everything he can to sift your faith. Luke chapter 22, when he came to Peter, uh, the Bible said Jesus prayed for him that your faith fail not. But he tried to sift him, and so he wants to drain your faith. He wants you to live by feelings and figuring and for your little old self. But look at verse 19. Here's the whole cause. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. I want to ask you a question. What's your joy? What's your glory? What do you take glory in? And what brings great joy to your life? Your team winning? Getting a raise? Um, We ought to thank God for every day of health. I preached a funeral Friday of a lady that's a lot younger than me that died of COVID. And I thought to myself, I might not preach another funeral. I might not make it to Sunday. It might be my day to go home. And I want to tell you something, friend. Are you thankful for your life? Are you thankful for health? Are you thankful for this day to worship God? And you know, the Bible tells us that we ought to grow up. and We ought to be mature. Adults do not live for themselves. They live for their children. They live for their wife. They live for their husband. They live for others. And so he begins to exhort them, three little simple things here, of how to mature in faith. 21 times in the Bible, we are referred to believers in the Bible. You know why? Because we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order us to be saved, we must have faith and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. So if you got in by faith, you ought to be sustained by faith. But as our Sunday school lesson is taught for these many weeks, and thank God, uh, teachers, you made it through not the tribulation, but the book of Leviticus uh, and did a great job. Folks, we are to be holy. Holy. And holy means sanctified. In other words, our life should be set apart to live by faith, to give by faith, to minister by faith, to serve by faith, Amen. and here it is in verse chapter three. It says, "Wherefore, when you could not go no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone." Oh, let's stand on the Word of God. I'm sorry, I'm getting old and forgot. We don't we don't sit while we read. And he sent Timotheus, or Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning, say the next words with me, your faith. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. For verily, when you were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. They suffered terribly, terribly. Even as it came to pass, and you know. And for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labors be in vain. And now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our afflictions And distress by your faith. And for now, we live if we stand fast in the Lord. For what things, for what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherein ye joy for your sakes before God, night and day praying exceedingly. For what? And, And it says, that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God Himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards another and towards all men, and as we do towards you, to then He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. You may be seated as I pray. Father, please, God, increase our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You'll notice in chapter 1, verse 3, as he did in every epistle, he said this, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Hey, every book, every epistle, and I know I say this often, Paul commended the church for three things. Not nickels, not noses, not facilities, not attendance. He he complimented them and prayed for them for their love and their faith and their hope. Folks, if you want to be a mature Christian, you need to have faith, and you need to have love, and folks, you need to have hope. And to the degree that you have that is the degree of your maturity. Baby Christians love themselves. Baby Christians live by feelings. Baby Christians give up, panic, pout, and be pitiful and lose hope. But mature Christians live by faith. Paul's praying for the church. I want to give you three quick things real quick. And I took some of my preaching time to beg for missionaries, and I don't apologize for it. But number one, he prayed that the church would mature in their faith. In their faith. Look at verse 10. Night and day pray. Why would anybody pray night and day? And what would they pray for? Well, here's the answer. He said that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Folks, perfect means mature, it's a work of faith. Folks, none of us have arrived in our faith. All of us need more faith that God is able. We need to step out by faith. George Mueller, who raised 7,500,000 pounds, because he was British, for orphans without ever telling anybody what he needed. One time they were out of milk, and he said, I'm not telling anybody we need milk. And he prayed, and the milk wagon broke down outside the orphan. And it was spoiling. And the guy knocked on the door and said, could you use a wagon load of milk? I bet you money, and I don't bet, <clears throat> that it was those glass bottles. I don't think it was cartons. I just picture glass bottles. And can you imagine those orphans as they're sitting there at that table starving, <clears throat> or at least without milk, Brother Grant, and all of a sudden here's the milkman knocking on the door saying, I broke down in front of your orphan, could you use this because my ice is melting and i got to get rid of this milk. And here he comes, hauling in. Maybe the kids went out to the street, started hauling in those bottles. I can hear the jingling. I can hear them knocking against each other. And I can see the little eyes of those orphans saying, God is real. Folks, I want to tell you something. People need to know that God is real by your faith. If you live by figuring, I'm sorry for you because you're going to be up and down, roller coaster Christian. You're going to be uh, so distraught sometimes, up and down, not depending upon God, but depending upon other people to make you feel good. The de- folks, the depth of your trust measures your faith. You know what Job said in Job chapter 13, verse 15? Though the Lord slay me, I'll still trust Him. You know what Paul said in Romans 8, 28? All things work together for the good of them that love God according to His word. He said all things, amen, work together for the good and the glory of God and to make us more like Jesus, amen. So all things, that's a lot of faith. Folks, we need to have some faith that has some depth to it. And so I'm going to say you can measure your faith this morning by the depth of it. Do you have faith when everything's going good? Do you have faith when everything feels good? Do you have faith when everything figures out good? Do you look at your checkbook and think you're gonna make it, or do you look to God, and check off that He's gonna make it in and through you? See the, the phrase by your faith is mentioned in verse two, verse five, verse six, verse seven, and verse ten. Repetition is a great teacher. And the Holy Spirit uses that like He does the theme of the Bible, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And so He's saying, listen, your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith. I'm praying for your faith. I'm telling you, friend, He, he said I was hindered, and they're persecuted, they're beat, they're imprisoned, they're killed for God's uh, sake and for the gospel glory of the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel. They had it <clears throat> rough back then. In the New Testament, they paid the ultimate price of giving their life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And so by faith. Let me just close with this first first thought. Uh, Folks, you need to have faith that has some depth to it. You have faith to step out. And you don't have faith just to make a faith promise card commitment. You have faith to live each day depending upon God. And folks, I believe you measure your faith by your obedience. The Bible says in John 14, verse 15, look at it real quick. John 14, verse 15, that uh, you have faith. If you have faith, there's something that takes place. Or if you have love. And folks, you have to have faith in the death, burial, and resurrection. uh, uh, And that is his love. But in John uh, 14, and I quoted these verses at the graveside Friday afternoon of a lady that got saved while she was at another lady's funeral that I was preaching in 1990. April 18th, 1990. I didn't didn't remember that. But I hope she remembered it. And I know God remembered it. But in John 14, it goes on to say, let not your heart be troubled. But then it ends the chapter saying, in verse 13, and whosoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's faith. That you can ask in His name. That means according to His will, for His glory, and God will answer it. God answers prayer. Can somebody say, I said God answers prayer. You look around, God's answered prayer. God's answered prayer in my family in a a great way in these last few months. God answered prayer Thursday. God answered prayer Wednesday. God answered prayer Tuesday. God answered prayer Monday. You know what my prayer was? Lord, help somebody show up. Because people stay home during missions revival because they think we're after their money. We're not after your money. We're after your heart. Say amen. We're not after your money. It's God's money. It's Not your money anyway. We're after your heart. God's after your heart. And folks, where your heart is, there is your treasure. $1,000 for standing room only. And you know I ain't preaching against the Braves. I rooted for them just as much as y'all did. Praise God. And I'll root for the Georgia Bulldogs just as much as some of y'all should have sense to root for them this Saturday. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's more to life than just a game. There's more to life than just a feeling. There's more to life than just things. There's more than life than just having your way. And folks, it's having His way and obeying and praying. Aren't you glad for the answer of prayer? I wish we had time. But you don't have time, because you got to leave about twelve fifteen, or you think it's the longest service you ever endured. But I wish I had time to stand up. You could stand up and give a great answer of prayer. How many's had a great answer of prayer in your life? Raise your hand. Now, if you say y'all, all have your hands up. I mean, God spared your life. Rose was telling about the the accident that they ran up on in, in Virginia. Uh, truck load of pipes and those pipes went through the car behind them and a little 10 year old boy was sitting in the seat of God spared you traveling mercies this this week you could have been killed you could have been you could have been uh, uh burned up in a house fire you could have had a heart attack how many thought you was having a heart attack during that game last night you, you know you, you know you you can have a heart attack watching a blooming ball game Come on, say amen. Oh, say, yes. oh, I don't watch that. I know you're real sanctimonious. God bless you. But, you know, you know I, I never get excited about this. Yes, you do. I wish you'd get more excited about God, though. Amen. Amen. And, folks, I want to tell you, where's your faith? In Freddie or the living God? Come on. In Brother Wayne or the living God? In yourself or the living God? In the bank? in the president. I hope to goodness you ain't putting your faith in politicians. God help you. You are really in trouble if you're putting your faith in politicians. Cuz they're in it for themselves. Let me preach right there for a little second. The depth of your trust and your obedience. Let me close. Well, I'm not exactly closing, but I'm getting close to it. You need to you measure your faith by your vision your vision Romans 8:31 we, we was in this chapter for months it seemed like at least weeks folks we need to have a thrilling vision of God's faithfulness he's, he's faithful listen to your heartbeat he's faithful L- listen to that thought that you might try to have he's faithful. He was faithful to die for you and die in your place. He's faithful to take your hell. He's faithful and just to forgive you of all sins when you confess them and repent of them. He's faithful. He's a good God. We ought to get a vision of His faithfulness, but I believe we ought to get a thrilling vision of His nearness. You know, so many people are religious and they're miserable. You ever been in a religious service? One time for some reason, Some reason I was in a Catholic church. I don't know what in the world I was doing there. Oh, I know what I was doing there. I was checking out the building up here. And I was going down there and I said, glory to God, this place has got more water fountains than I've ever seen in my life. They weren't in place yet, but there was little covey places all up and down the hall. And I thought for a water fountain, I asked the contractor, I said, how many water fountains are you going to put in this place? He says, that's not for water fountain preachers. That's for statues, idols, saints. And friend, I thought to myself as I left there, I'm glad we have a water fountain. <laughs> Amen. I mean, pray, I'm glad we got a horseshoe pit back there than set up a bunch of gods in the hallway. Folks, we worship the living God, He's one mediator between us and God. Amen? We don't worship statues. We don't kiss the Pope's foot or toe or whatever. Folks, God's real. He is the high priest. And folks, if you're just religious, I feel sorry for your distance. I feel sorry for your loneliness. Folks, He's real. He's as real as your best friend. He's as real as a loving father. He's real as a high priest that ever lives to intercede for you. Folks, he's good and he's near and he's faithful. He's faithful. We've got to get a great vision of his power. You know the story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, where um, they were surrounding uh, Elijah or Elisha, one of the two. And the servant was panicking and pouting and was pitiful. And the great man of God said, Open my servant's eyes. And he opened his eyes. And he saw the armies of the Lord encompassed around the little puny armies that were about to invade him. Saw the shining armor, the glorious power of God's army surrounding that army. And it changed his whole life. And folks, if you just get a vision of the unseen power of God. The all-powerful God. And folks, you go on the mission field, you better have a great vision of a great God because you're entering the warfare. If you do something for God, you're entering the warfare. I'm telling you, the devil has been working on my emotions this morning like never before of despondency and despair And fear, and I don't know where it's coming from, but I know that we're in a warfare, and I know the Lord would love to the devil would love to hinder me from seeing the Lord and missing the blessing of His presence. This morning, I'd be I'll be transparent with you. Sometimes it's not easy to get up here. You really want to find a substitute. You really want some preacher to walk through that back door and say, I think you got the message. Because all hell's trying to stop me this morning for some reason. Because when we see God, He is enough. And when we see His power, it is enough. And when we see His faithfulness, it ought to, number one, rebuke us for our unfaithfulness, say amen. And we see His concern, it ought to rebuke us for our lack of concern. And we sense his love, it ought to rebuke us for our lack of love. But we need to see him. If God be for us, who can be against us? And then also, I want you to know that, and this is what I want to get to this morning to go along with what we're doing. Turn to John chapter 7, verse 38. John chapter 7, verse 38. I'll preach the rest of the chapter this morning or tonight. But look at John 7, verse 38. and I'll try to close my part of the service. You've already taken part of the service, and thank you for worshiping in song and giving. But in John chapter 7, some powerful verses. If you look down at verse uh, 38, the Bible says, uh, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Wow! But this spake he of the Spirit, which they had believed on when they received, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because he hadn't ascended. It says because that Jesus was not yet glorified because he hadn't he, he he has to be resurrected and ascended. And folks, the Bible says that. Uh, he that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly, out of his innermost being, his soul. And Oh, the wealth of the soul. Oh, the worth of a soul. Folks, the Bible says, what is the problem of man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? A soul is eternally valuable because it's going to live eternally. And so we ought to be soul conscious. We ought to live To see souls saved. You're my joy. You're my crown. Paul was saying. and Folks, I want you to know that this will probably last. Our faith is measured by outflowing streams of living water. Now let me just say this, friend. God didn't save you just to be happy. But it sure is good to know you're going to heaven instead of hell. Come on. It sure is good to know you have the power of prayer on your side. It sure is good to know that he'll never leave you or never forsake you. But God called you to flow. God fills you for flowing. And it all depends on faith. It says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his life, his innermost being, his belly, shall flow Rivers of living water. Folks, day by day, you ought to be a blessing. And day by day, you ought to have one concern. The glory of God and the salvation too. The salvation of souls. Soul. The rivers of blessings that flow from your life. If you live for yourself, you're going to have a very sad funeral. Because you might be the only one that shows up. And the preacher will have to get up and lie about about what your life was all about. And have to give some eulogy. I don't even know what that is. Folks, I want my life to count for Christ. And I I believe that every breath is a blessing from God, but He gives me that breath that I might let that breath go over these vocal cords and form words and share the gospel. That's why He gave me breath. To glorify His name. He didn't give you breath just to run the bases. He didn't give you breath just to have a job. He didn't give you breath just to be popular and be a great politician. I wish some of y'all would run. But folks, listen. Listen. Outflowing of the Spirit means that God blesses you to be a blessing. And how do you do that? It's through faith. See, you're left on your own without faith. You're going to live by your feelings or figuring. Or as we said in South Georgia, finagling. That means I'm going to maneuver and manipulate until I get my little old way. But folks, i want to tell you something. God's called you to be an artesian well of His love, His joy, His peace, His goodness, and His faith. God wants you to manifest the fruits of the Spirit. That's what we're going to teach on the next 13 weeks in Sunday school. It's going to be wonderful. John 15, 1-15. It's a great study. You'll enjoy it. How to be the branch and He's divine. How to be the vessel and he's the source. How to be a blessing because he's the blesser. How to be living a supernatural, faith-filled, God-glorifying, God-pleasing life. And it's only by faith. Number five, you measure your faith by your initiatives. Hebrews 11, ain't got time to go there. My time's up. I set on myself, by the way. Nobody sets time on me. When y'all start walking out, I realize I'm not communicating. So I'm going to cut it right down to the 30 minutes or so. Abraham launched out into the deep not knowing where he was going, why he was going, how he was going. And Sarah went with him. Praise God. And a whole lot of other people went with him. And folks, he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. The voice of God told him to be a missionary. The voice of God told him to be an intercessor. The voice of God told him to uh, be a father of our faith. Folks, I want to tell you something. Abraham stepped out, not staggering, not wavering, by faith. Moses. Saw him who was invisible and gave up billions and billions of dollars that he could have had to be the son of a Pharaoh. He shucked it, esteeming the greater riches of God's blessing and the invisible hand of God upon his life. Seeing him who's invisible, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. And God used him to split the Red Sea, praise God, and liberate his people. And you know the rest of the story. Give us the Ten Commandments and on and on and on. Folks, listen. God wants you to have some initiative. He wants you to launch out, as the disciples did when he said, let's go to the other side. And let me say also, your faith is determined by what you, what, your ability to persevere. It's easy to get started, but it's another thing to finish. It's easy to come hit and miss once in a while, but it's another thing to be faithful. It's easy to preach a message, but it's another thing to preach over 8,000 messages in the same place. And I'm not patting myself on the back. It is a challenge just to come to the pulpit every Sunday with a message from God. Adoniram, I always mispronounce that, Adoniram Judson wrote this. The outlook is as bright as the promises of God. He wrote this. And they asked, what prospect of ultimate success is there? Adoniram, he said, as much as there is an almighty and faithful God, who will perform his promises? And now, Aaron, 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 Aaron. Brother Judson, Ezer said, made a difference in Burma. He translated the New Testament, hundreds of churches were established, millions, probably at least thousands of souls were saved but they locked him up and they beat him to a pulp. And two wives died on the mission field. And while he was in prison, he bribed he bribed the jailer to let him out and go get his baby and go door to door for the Burmanese women to nurse his baby to life. He, he, his feet were bleeding where they beat him and put him in stocks. And folks, listen, he suffered. And then he has the gall, but not the gall, but the faith, to say, as much as there is an almighty and faithful God who will perform His promises, and that the outlook is bright as the promises of God. Now folks, I'm going to tell you something. If we went through what he went through, we'd probably say, God, why have you forsaken me? God, I quit. I'm going back to the United States. I'm no longer a missionary. I'm tired of my family dying. I'm tired of being in jail. I'm tired of being hungry. I'm tired of this malaria. I'm just tired. But he said, I have faith. We had a big old tall missionary. i close with this. Let me close with the Bible so I won't read another verse. We had a big old tall missionary Monday night. Wasn't he a blessing? Brother Keith Shoemaker. Six foot seven, two hundred something pounds. Played basketball with shorter. While Jason was down there, he didn't live up to his University of shorter. I'll tell you that. But he told about the, the story about the the chief getting saved. But I'll tell you another story. He didn't have time to tell you that this man had malaria from the first day he got off the plane on the survey trip. He had malaria, and all the way home he was deathly sick on his survey trip. He laid in two seats, probably three for him, and shivered with fever. And he still went to that field. He almost bled out when he got cut so bad in the woods and the jungles of traveling these pig paths to villages. But I want to tell you what Brother Shoemaker has done. They now call him the man of God who brings water. Because in Burkina Farso, or West Africa, they don't have water. They don't have electricity. They have huts. They have tribes. And they take their water from a stream where they bathe in and drink it and cook with it where they wash their clothes, they take their water. They don't have any kind of fresh water. And so Brother Keith came up with this idea through some help. Let's get some wells going. And he dug wells. And praise God, you ought to have seen the look of that village and those children when they struck water several times in several villages. It was like a geyser. And they rejoiced. They had clean water to drink. They had food that was pure that no longer had so much disease and dying. But I want to tell you what. He was more than just a well digger. He was a man of God that brought living water to those villages and after the water came gushing out of that land, he took the Bible and showed them how to be saved and they're going to heaven instead of hell and they'll never thirst again. Amen. Father, use this message. Increase our faith. God, I know you want to destroy, the devil wants to destroy our faith, but you want to develop it. And God, I know with all my heart that the reason there's five references to your faith is because our faith is important. And so, Lord, I don't apologize for challenging these folks' faith to support missionaries. I don't apologize for challenging these folks to pray for missionaries. And I definitely don't apologize for telling every person in this room and every person that ever comes in this sanctuary that we need to be concerned about souls. and We need to take the gospel to our neighbors and to our loved ones because it's the only message that will change their lives. Lord, I just want to say it again. I want to pray it again. Increase our faith. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, I had to cut the message short because I took too much time begging for missionaries. But I had me to say, preacher, when I look back on my life, I see that my life is scheduled around some wrong things like work, money what I need to do what I can get and that's not bad I mean, I believe everybody ought to work I believe everybody ought to provide for their family but you say preacher what I really need to do is have a joy and a crown that's eternal what I really need to have is a perspective of souls that are precious to Jesus so much that he died for and He gave up the splendor and glory of heaven for me. I just pray that God would increase my faith. That's your prayer this morning. Would you slip your hand up? God, increase my faith. It's a very simple prayer. But it's a very simple need. Because I could give you about 100 verses about faith. It's in my introduction, by the way. i got them written down of how important faith is. Faith. You know why faith is important? It's who you put your faith in. Christ. God. And I challenge you to try to buy your way out of death. I want to challenge you to try to buy your way out of sickness. I want to try to challenge you to try to buy your way out of depression. Or addiction. It won't ever happen. You must have faith. God is able. Have me say, Preacher, I have put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I were to die today, I know I'd go to heaven. I'm saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? That's where we get in, this faith life. Amen? Saved! Is there anyone that couldn't raise your hand and say, Preacher, I've never put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to die, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. And I surely don't want to go to hell. I surely don't want to miss the blessings of heaven on this earth like peace joy love purpose please pray for me would you slip your hand up if you're not saved I want to pray for you anyone Lord again we pray the simple prayer increase our faith God give us some initiatives God give us some um, vision of your nearness give us some perseverance. But God, give us an opportunity to be a flowing river. A channel. A blessing. A vessel. For your Holy Spirit to work through. We'll praise you. In Jesus' name.